0: Need of comfort, and I also said that um, that wasn't something that I grew up with, both experiencing for myself, but also feeling comfortable um, giving to others. In fact, I would say my my emotional life journey has been one of fits and starts, particularly in my earlier life. Some of you remember I um, I became a Christian. I went from a believer as a as a child to a Christ follower in my mid-twenties, and then found myself in a church community. And I found myself really, to be honest, struggling with what it means to function in a community. So much so that sometimes I would come out of really wonderful worship times and, uh, and just scream in the parking lot. Because as much as I felt connected to God in a fabulous, life-giving way, I wasn't sure how to connect with people well. And that aggravated me and frustrated me. And God has been very gracious to me in uh, both revealing his love, in touching and healing my heart, in freeing me from some things, uh, but also equipping me. And I believe that's part of the journey we're all on. And I want to explore that with you today. Because it really comes out of Jesus' compassion and care for us. You know, last night, just Carol and I, we happened to watch a a documentary on the brain. And the more more we understand about the brain, which is an absolute mystery in many ways because of its complexity and how it drives all of life's functions. Uh, But one thing they said was sight, our reality shaped by what we see. And about a third of the brain is involved in processing sight, you know, in other words, light that comes in through our eyeballs and we, we determine reality based upon what we see in front of us. And yet, it's clear that our reality, that only what we see in front of us, only makes up a small part of what we perceive to be real and true. So much else gets added to that in, in the sense of what's stored in our brains, our experiences, the culture we live in, and the brain's Kind of intelligence and understanding about what reality is is added to what we literally see coming in from the outside. Which is why two people can look at the same thing and see a different reality. We're shaped so much by our past and our experiences as well as what is happening in the present. So I'm looking today at what I call embracing our pain and grief. Because I think. This is important if we are to grow and mature as Christ followers and as lovers of God and one another. You see, pain, the emotion of pain, sadness, disappointment, hurt, all that category of pain that you see in the bottom of the cup here is inevitable. You are going to experience pain. Anyone here got it this far in life without any kind of hurt Sadness, pain in your life. No. And there's no guarantee from here on that it's going to be free of that either. Jesus told us this. He said, in this world, you will suffer, different translations, tribulation, affliction, trouble, distress. It's going to happen. So pain is inevitable, but healing is, freedom are far from inevitable I think they're desired deeply by our father and all of us for that matter but you see pain accumulates and I use this language of the cup because if we don't learn how to recognize and deal with our pain this kind of stuff happens this is not Guinness I know it's St. Patrick's Day Okay, it's just coffee and a little bit of water But imagine, here's you and your cup runneth over, but it's a little dark and murky. And it's kind of not that pleasant. And lo and behold, you bump into somebody else with a similar cup. What happens? Cheers? It may be a a season of joy, but might be something different. Come on, be honest. When you're ticked off, upset, frustrated, and somebody does something out of their pain and frustration, you get spillage, don't you? What you see coming out of the cup in that little picture is the spillage, the symptoms of what is going on, in, on under the surface. Because as Jesus also said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's, remember, we looked at that scripture last week. What treasure are we storing up within ourselves? What do we have capacity for? And then, not only do we experience the pain of unmet need, because essentially, to feel pain is the body telling us there's a lack of love. You're wired for connection and loving relationship. So when you experience rejection or criticism, judgment, abuse, use, threat, God has wired you to feel the pain of that, because that's not what you're meant to experience unmet need triggers pain this is why it's important to get upstream of these things and become better at meeting need in one another anyway, but when we are hurt it triggers other feelings we become more miserable we lack positivity we spill out on others it goes with us wherever we go We cannot leave it behind us. It's a part of us. And a a community, a church like us, can have a corporate cup as well. There is a corporate dimension to our pain sometimes. And therefore, there's a responsibility to be aware of and take thought and account of that too. Now, God wants you to be free. Do you believe that? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be yoked to the... to, to tied down by the slavery to sin. In other words, this power that is over us because of pain. Sin is essentially pain. It's a lack of love for God and one another. And when it accumulates, it gets a hold of us. It has an energy to it. God wants us to be free from that. Now, God in His mercy can heal us of our physical... Conditions. We pray for that, don't we? Do we pray for that? Does anyone have a testimony of being healed from something physical? I do. But I want to say, because we also, in the midst of life, we experience death. We're experiencing that today. Sickness and death is a reality we never fully escape from. This side of eternity. And yet, right now, we also experience resurrection life and we don't die. There's mystery here. And we are to ask for and believe for the blessing of physical healing, but not set our joy and our peace upon it, because I don't think that's what's promised. However, there is a freedom, I believe, that's to do with our spirituality and emotions that we are to pursue and anticipate. In fact, I see such a strong correlation between spiritual life and freedom and emotional well-being. They are so tied together. Because it's to do with the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace. It's something that we feel on the inside, out of our communion with God through the Holy Spirit. Out of the revelation of who we are now and who He is and who we are therefore in Him. Stick with okay. me for a moment. In Peter, Peter puts it like this, because the is in the Word. Since you have purified your souls, so he's writing to Christian Christ follows, he says, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. When we choose through the Spirit, you know, out of this new identity and with this new power, uh, to love one another which is an obedience to the truth and the truth is essentially Him who said, love one another. When we do that, our hearts are purified, Peter says. You see, it's experienced truth. It's not just knowledge and believe truth. It's truth in action. It's the doers of the Word that we actually love. And when we give ourselves to that, there is a freeing that comes to us. We don't sit waiting for the freedom before we step out to love. It's already given. Walk in it. My encouragement to you is. Now, we don't always get this right about dealing with these emotional layers within our heart. Because sometimes we come at it in sort of an ad hoc, sporadic kind of fashion. (coughs) There is a principle in the kingdom no, I Am Second, were looking at the contrast between the Kingdom of Heaven and the kingdoms of this world. And there's differences. In the Kingdom of Heaven, Jesus says, we grow through loss. In the Kingdom of Heaven, we lose our lives to find life. In the Kingdom of Heaven, we die that we might live. There's mystery here. There's something beyond ourselves. There's something to be received. But the kingdom of heaven is very often the very antithesis of the culture we live in and what the culture teaches. And so, to me, a part of our lives of dealing with our emotional well being is do we take time to slow down and recognize what is going on? Do we integrate into, I've been talking with Randy about this, do we integrate into our worship, lament, as well as rejoicing? Because that's life. That's the reality. And it's a reality that God knows very well. In fact, over half of the Psalms, the prayers and worship of the saints through the ages are to do with lament. Life is crappy. And it seems most of the time, the enemy is having a field day. And where on earth is God and His throne? To paraphrase some of the Psalms. And sometimes life is brutally hard. Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? My tears have been my food, night and day. The Hebrews expressed their lament through the the literal tearing of their clothes and putting on sackcloth and ashes. Jeremiah wrote an entire book lamenting the overrun of Jerusalem, the very place of God's presence, what defined them as a people and that was taken from them. As hurt is inevitable, it also comes from lots of different sources, circumstances, whether it's illness, accidents, family members, friends, work, colleagues, enemies... Ironically, it's those who are the closest to us have the greatest potential to hurt us the most. My close friend, with whom I enjoyed sweet fellowship, was the one who stabbed him in the back," the psalmist says. "Anyone experienced that? Let's be honest, and it hurts because we have higher expectations. Though hurt takes many forms, it's fundamentally about, like I say, unmet relational needs. We're disappointed, we're embarrassed, we get offended, we feel betrayed, abandoned. There is great sadness in our lives. And there are varying degrees or measurements of the the measure of the pain or trauma that we experience. Just a couple of weeks ago when I was back in Austin, I spent some time sitting down with different people, hearing some of their life story, and it was interesting how a young man who'd had a really good upbringing but was aware of another young man whose life story was filled with really hard, hard circumstances. And yet for him he felt he couldn't really go to his place of pain because it wasn't that bad compared. But pain is pain. It does not matter. It's not a comparison thing. It's the reality that we experience that shapes us in our brains and therefore should not just be dismissed. We all of us, have areas of particular sensitivity because of our story. It's like emotional bruising. And you don't need to go too close to that spot, that memory, that experience I once had for me to flinch and react to you. So don't judge. I watched a little clip recently. If only we would not judge one another. Don't dismiss one another. Listen to one another's stories. Now, though the causes may be varied and seemingly random and come from all over the place, there's one solution. There is one antidote to pain. Pay attention to how Jesus suffered and grieved. The writer of the Hebrews says that he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears. Jesus is all familiar with human suffering. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. The prophet speaks of him. He knew physical pain, clearly. He knew the experience of being rejected by his own hometown and family. He was labelled as demonic, working for the enemy. He was insulted even by his disciples as wasting things like perfume he, he experienced disappointment of people who would rather know the Father than Him and didn't realize who He was. He was unsupported. At the very moment of trial in the garden that His disciples couldn't stay with Him and pray, He was mocked, cursed upon the cross. He understands his weak, our weaknesses. God knows. But He didn't do things like this. We read the story at the tomb of Lazarus, his friend. But rather than weeping like he did, he didn't just look around and say, come on you guys, get a grip. God's in charge here. This is going to work out. He's going to be raised from the dead. Pull yourselves together. Don't you have faith? He feels our pain as he prayed over Jesus, over Jerusalem rather and we read that uh, like a mother hen he wanted to gather the chicks around him he could have just said well, you made your choice you made your bed, now live in it you're only getting what's coming to you you turned your back on God, so I'm out of here no he didn't say that did he? In fact, I um, I don't know if anyone's been to Jerusalem. There's a beautiful little um, uh, church that was built overlooking the city and it's built in the shape of a tear. And you go into this small dark worship space and the back window, which is an open window behind the the communion table, is just the city of Jerusalem. But it's set in the shape of a tear because of Jesus' compassion for people. He could have cried from the cross rather than, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where the heck are you, God? Which is the human response very often when we're in this place of great suffering. He could have shouted, God is great. Worship Him. Celebrate His goodness. Was that true? Oh, yes. Is that normal? Absolutely not in a place of profound pain and suffering. Now, as we see in the cup here, and we're going to explore these over the coming weeks, um, actually, the bottom layer of pain, which is the primary response to unmet needs, the lack of love in my life, triggers and causes other emotions. When I experience the pain of redundancy, of being let go after I've given so much, without a word, Anger rises up. And we get angry. Rightly so. It's a natural human response, it's normal. When we experience relational disconnect or we break up with somebody who has meant so much to us, particularly in a romantic sense, there can be a great fear comes into our our lives and our hearts of, am I going to be alone forever? I begin to anticipate a painful future based upon a painful past experience. Guilt. Very often in our anger we can easily strike back and cause more pain. And the moment we do, we feel guilty. Because that's God's protection to us, not to walk in lack of love, but to walk in love. You have a conscience that tells you when you don't. And then condemnation or shame, which is basically, we believe, the lie. That if this has happened to us, then I must have deserved it. I must be no good, unworthy. But it's a lie. But it feels true. So you see, pain is the root of everything. And therefore, it's important that we learn what to do with it when we experience it. And, and so what fundamentally I would say to you is stop and pay attention to it. Do not do what we tend to do and what I was what was modeled to me by and large and what is the typical response in our Western culture, which is what? We stuff it. We ignore it. We distract ourselves from it. We give ourselves something to feel good about rather than engage with the the pain of what this genuinely feels like. You need to stop and reflect and give yourself permission to feel. And this is the most important time of your healing and your freedom, I would suggest. Because it's... I usually normally talk about this in terms of four steps. We've got to find it and feel it. And then we've got to share it with somebody. You see, pain was caused by somebody else. and the healing from pain has to come from somebody else so don't keep it to yourself share it with God the psalmists have no trouble doing that it's okay to be honest with God but it's especially honest that we sorry important that we be honest with one another confess your sins to one another confess where you've caused pain pray for one another and you'll be healed saved set free You see, we've got to learn to share it and then receive care for it. This is what comfort is. So let's not stuff it, ignore it, or my big thing was minimize it. Wasn't that bad? Others have suffered far worse. Take a deep breath. Carry on. But no, they're real. I heard somebody put it like this. Emotions, they're a bit like kids. You don't want them in the front, driving the car. But neither do you want them stuffed in the trunk. Because that's not going to end well either. And this is why we need other people in our lives. This is why we need intimate relationship. Yes, with God, but remember, it's not good to be intimate with God, but alone from people. This is why we need community. This is why we need to both allow others to grieve as well as grieve ourselves. And many have never grieved over the measure of their abuse and pain in life. And it grieves me when I, because I often get to sit down with people who have trapped pain. And it binds them up. And the heart of comfort that we read about, the God of all comfort, who comforts us, and then says, now comfort one another. You see this word comfort? Um, Jesus promised another comforter. You see, God is the great comforter. And... um, the English word for that we call the paraclete. It comes from the Parakletos, the Greek, which literally means to to be called alongside us. You see, this is God in His, in His, His presence comes alongside. From the very prayer of Moses, Lord, don't send us out from here because if your presence doesn't, presence doesn't go with us, what else will distinguish us? But what will give us life? You see, Jesus came alongside us. He moved into the neighbourhood and He promised a Holy Spirit, another Paraclete, another comforter who would come alongside not to say lift us from our suffering, but to be with us, to feel our pain and to bring His goodness and His presence. I watched this amazing little video clip and there was a man talking about raising children. And he was talking about the moment when children flip their lids. You Use that expression. I like all hell's let loose. And there's total reaction. It can be in the middle of Savon or... Safeways or whatever, you know, can be out in public and it's the most embarrassing thing for many parents but it's like the child has let rip because actually they are in free fall, they've lost control and what do we do? We holler at them, we quit your crying, shut up, stop it and we throw them in the trunk, no we don't do that but we would like to, sometimes. And it serves no purpose because they're already out of their minds. Do you know what they need? They need a parent, or anyone for that matter, to get down with them and simply get a hold of them and hold them and be a non-anxious presence, to be goodness and present. And give them a sense of security that though I am out of control, this person is not. And I receive that. You see, we can't do it alone. If God hasn't left us alone. You are not alone. But we give up the signs of aloneness. And that's what we're called to first and all remove. And sometimes that's simply to be a strong, compassionate presence and to hold one another. I read you need about 13, was it 13 seconds for a hug to be medically Beneficial. The average is three or four seconds. We are so wired for comfort. I can't believe I'm saying those words. As a young man, I would have never said that or known that. We don't all take to feeling our sadness easily. But there are some ancient paths we are to learn and follow along. Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn. Because... They shall be comforted. There is blessing in comfort at the place of pain. God redeems through these circumstances. But do we open our hearts to that reality? We've got to avoid our rational responses. We've got great truth to share with people who are hurting sometimes. We want to analyze the causes and conditions and give them reasons as to why they're in this place sometimes. It does nothing to help in the moment of shared pain. We have to be that presence of compassion and care. There will come a time for truth to help them get a hold of a bigger story and reality that is at work. But in the moment of pain, I need somebody to care. So do you. And God does. And He principally does it through you. Now comfort one another. With the comfort you've received. You see, there are wonderful things that come from comfort. We learn about the father's deep compassion for us and for all that he has made. We learn how to receive and forgive others because we too, have been forgiven. We get a greater sense of compassion and care for the poor and marginalized and broken, because we realize in many ways we are no different. Life gets tripped of its pretense and non-essentials. We're less covetous of things and we understand the beauty and value of connection above all else. We're more free from having to impress others when they've seen us bluthering and tears and snot running down our face and they've stuck with us and cared for us. And when we feel bad about ourselves, they love us so that we can feel better about ourselves. We can live more easily with the mystery of God's plan and purpose for ourselves. Because if we can't be comfortable with mystery in this life, we are going to be very troubled. We see through a glass dimly, but we trust nonetheless. We grow in our own humility and our vulnerability with one another, which only increases the level of security and connection we experience. We live more in the moment and don't wait for retirement or heaven. Most people live in the either stuck in the pain of the past or full of fear of the future. And we are to be people of the presence, the present moment, to be present to one another. We have fewer fears and we take more risks. We're kinder, we're less judgmental. We understand that our common bond of brokenness ties us more together than apart. And we're recipients of a gospel of healing. And we become the wounded healers of one another. And I believe we sense the the reality of eternity and the very temporal nature of life here on earth as valuable and important as it is. This is not our home. And so while we're in the midst of it and we're suffering our trouble, let's be aware of that, both in ourselves and the people around us. So I want to invite you just to stand, if you would. And if you aren't comfortable standing, then you can remain seated. Because I want to pray for the comforter. The comforter who is here and who sees and knows your pain. And he sees and knows the pain of this community, our collective pain. He sees and knows the pain of this valley and the pain of division and brokenness and infighting and hurt. And he cares because he's the God of unity and he is and has gifted us with unity. But he starts with allowing the comforter to touch us at the point of pain and minister his healing. So, Father, we say, in your great mercy, we invite you to come among us in your healing. You know your people. You know each one of us, and you know our stories from, actually, from the very foundations of the earth, but even as we're formed in our mother's womb, and some of us have suffered trauma even in that place, but from the moment we're born until the day we are one with you in eternity, you are and will be a part of our lives. And you are here as a healing presence. You're here in your goodness. You're here in your fullness. And Lord, meet us in our brokenness and in our sadness. Come Holy Spirit, I pray. Come Holy Spirit. Now I just invite you to, to be honest with the Lord in this place. Don't worry about people around you. Though some of you may feel led to pray for others, I want, I want you to... Open your heart before the Lord. Trust Him. He's a good, good Father. And He cares for you. That's why Peter says, cast all your anxiety upon Him. Because He cares for you. And where there's pain that you'd rather not face, or maybe the Lord's bringing to mind an experience, a memory, or a question, or a struggle, or a doubt, or even a place of unbelief, open your heart to the Father, to the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, even now that He would come and minister His healing. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come, Lord. He comes gently. There's gentleness with the Lord. Hold your people, Lord. May they experience in the Spirit one of your great hugs. Embrace your people, Father. Meet us in our sadness and in our tears. May we sense and and taste in a way the, the saltiness of your tears with us and for us, Lord Jesus. May we know a strength that comes from you, Lord, even in the place of bleakness, darkness, Despair. Cause your strength to flow into the hearts and minds of your people here, Lord. The weeping remain for the night. There is a new day. There is a new reality. Your reality is not just what you see. There is a bigger reality that the Holy Spirit wants to bring a revelation of. And it is a reality of wholeness, of fullness, of unparalleled joy in the Holy Spirit. And freedom. Freedom to love like you've never loved before. There is a place of freedom in your homes and in your marriages and in your friendships that you've not yet seen, but the Lord wants to bring. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, bring something to birth. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord. We so need you. Now receive. Receive the true blessing. Know the smile of God. Know the delight of the Father. Lord, as we continue and as we come around this table and as we receive bread and wine, Lord, continue to minister life because your promise is that it's those who eat your flesh and drink your blood that have life and so somehow in, again in the mystery of these things Lord meet with us afresh if you' if you're here and you've never never truly come to a point of trusting in the goodness of God believing that the promises of God are for you truly if you've never genuinely opened your heart with all the ability and understanding that you have and said, just, yes, Lord, I need you. Please come in. Please be my life. Be my Lord. I encourage you. This is a moment. And like the the father of the prodigal, he waits and longs. And the moment he sees you turn, he runs. Come, Holy Spirit. And so we we give our, our lives to you afresh, Lord. We offer our hearts to be a place where you to, to in a way, deposit deep treasure. Like the pearl of great price. Nothing compares. We, get, we would remove anything that we would have this one thing. Give us that kind of single-mindedness, Lord, we pray. And heal our hearts, oh God, we pray. I pray that you would lead us into a greater courage and uh, consistency of sharing of pain and comforting and caring for one another. Mature us in this, Lord. Grow our uh, our marriages, our friendships, our community spaces, Lord. Let there be authenticity and real stuff happening, we pray. That the kingdom would come. This topsy-turvy kingdom, Lord, that it would be about you, Jesus. And our lives are all for you, and through you, and in you, and around you. Be Lord in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. Now let's just take a moment and uh, give one another a hug.